decades in Chicago, and I suspect in Toronto, the path to employment at the Second City was similar for the vast majority of people. Take classes at the Second City and other spots around town, do free shows for several years, and hope that you don't get a total beginner in your tour co-audition. Spoiler, more often than not, you will get that overeager scene partner who will talk nonstop until your audition is over, and see you next year. Now, as the company grew, more opportunities for employment presented themselves, and suddenly a much wider net was being cast to fill roles. Specifically in 2005, the Second City began a partnership with Norwegian Cruise Lines, starting with one ship and one cast that I happen to be in. It very quickly grew to a half dozen ships, more than doubling the number of actors making a living entirely through the Second City. Now, initially, these casts were populated by alums and tour co-veterans like myself, but after a year or so, many of those people had gotten a lifetime supply of the crew's life and needed to be replaced. Now, this prompted what has to have been the most intense talent search in the history of the theater. Although talented people were constantly moving to Chicago to do improv, it's a lot easier to get it right when you're only casting two or three roles at a time, and suddenly that number was 25 to 30. And while the continual stretching of talent eventually led to a drop in overall quality and the loss of that cruise ship contract, the intensified searching turned up some gems that might have otherwise slipped through the cracks. One of those gems is sitting with me here today. As Chris Witaski started his Second City journey on the Norwegian Dawn and impressed enough to jump into a touring company and eventually the ETC Theater, all while dominating in the Chicago Theater League Softball League, which we will touch on later. Now, normally I avoid talking about the products that our Second Citizens have created beyond the walls of the theater. For example, if I have Dan Castellaneta on the show and he mentions Homer Simpson just once, I will end him. But due to the timing of this interview and the subject matter of the show, it would be a huge disservice to you, listener, to not mention that Chris Wataski is the creator of the Netflix hit Chicago Party Ant, a show that reflects many of the same ideas that made that little theater on Wells Street the temple of satire. And that show began as a Twitter account making Chris one of a handful of people on this planet to actually turn social media into something useful. Perhaps this is his greatest accomplishment. So let's have him, Chris Wataski. Welcome, Chris. <laughs> thank you for having me, Joe. And thank you for wearing, as I, <laughs> as I not so jokingly, since I'm wearing mine too, texted you, bring your annoyance jersey. He did bring his annoyance jersey. Chris Wataski, my first experience with you and this is kind of an interesting thing because we'll talk a little bit about softball and then we'll talk, you know, proper. Mm -hmm. But uh, for years I was in the Chicago Theater Softball League. And uh, initially I played on the Improv Olympic team. Mm -hmm. And we hated the Second City team because it was Second City and there were people who we admired. So, of course, we hated them. <laughs> and we would try to beat them and we would be real assholes. And then I realized there was a team that was even bigger assholes and hated by everyone. And it was the Annoyance Theater team, the Annoyance being another improv theater in Chicago. That's right. And so I defected over to that team. They would, they would actually poach good players. And later on, I ended up... Uh, I often would be the kind of fill-in shortstop. And I'd be shortstop, and then they'd find somebody better. And then I'd move to the outfield, which was fine, because I wanted to win. And Chris is one of those people uh, who, who played shortstop ahead of me pushing me to the outfield. And in fact, that was the incident that I had in my mind. There's two times in my life when I've had something happen on a softball field that people from other fields have 
noticed and paid attention to. Right, they stop what they're doing. Stop what they're doing. One right. time was a couple years ago here in the Valley when uh, I was part of a huge softball brawl that shut down that 16-inch softball league. <laughs> this is the funny thing about that. Uh, because there was this unusual competitiveness in these leagues. Uh, mainly with you, right? Yes. And a few others. Mark Sutton, I think, no, yeah. could, could we- take the cake uh, over me. But I was definitely a contributor. I mean, I did contribute to this fight. Not with any physical action, but simply with words that ended the league. So I know what wow. my capabilities are. I've heard tale of that. But There's never, a, I'll, okay. I'll send yeah. you the YouTube link of the eight-minute version <laughs> no. when I'm on painkillers from no. the rib punches I took. <laughs> no. Yeah, I thought I broke my ribs. Wait, is it on video? Not the fight. Oh, okay. okay. But my, but you, my retelling the, the next day oh, while God. I was on painkillers. Because okay, I had to go to the doctor. God, that's great. But I didn't go to the doctor after this collision. Yeah, no, neither did I. We should have, maybe. Because I was yes. seeing, I mean, I remember seeing stars. Like, Again. it was like. But this may have been the playoffs, so we had to keep. Oh, it was bad. Yeah. A big collision. Yeah. But this is the funny that's thing. Bad. Years later, <laughs> when you're on the ETC, uh-huh. again, my my knowledge of you was, oh, this is Chris, who probably is like an annoyance ringer who got brought in somewhere. And, of course, I knew there was some connection to improv. Like, oh, he really took improv seriously in comedy, too. He wasn't just a softball player. <laughs> you only knew me. Yes. As- <laughs> and so I was like, oh, yeah, I guess the guy in the annoyance uh, softball team was also, you know, like an annoyance yeah, performer. performer. Right. But, but yeah. again, I was <laughs> narrow focus. You, I had tunnel vision you on softball. You thought I was just a ringer. Yes. And, and, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's always nice to find out, hey, there was the, the, whatever title we won was legit. It was. You yeah. weren't coming in outside of the improv world. No. Uh, but, again, the... It is. I was going to have you on the show. I mean, I've known about this show because I know many of the other people connected to it for a long time. But it just so happens that, you know, you come in now as this show, which is about the most Chicago show I can think of, honestly. The Chicago ERs and PDs and stuff, <laughs> those only make me mad because I didn't live in Chicago when they were casting those. Right, right. And now right. every actor who stayed in Chicago is like a series regular. Coma victim. Yes. Right, right. right or, yeah. <laughs> Series regular, it's coma victim. <laughs> yeah, Every week. <laughs> yeah. Every. They just do an eight-minute scene with that person in the background in a coma. <laughs> well, I was telling someone recently that uh, Dick Wolf has the most Chicago shows, the most shows with Chicago in the title, but then I'm number two. Yes, <laughs> tied, tied with any other show, like, right. you know, Chicago garbage trucks or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Your number yeah. two. Yeah, Dick Wolf. No, it'll be hard to get up to It'll be there. hard to touch. Yeah, you know, yeah. party niece, party nephew. You can only go so far right. with the party family. Right, exactly. Um, and we could talk later about uh, the show, actually, which I enjoy. Yeah. And, I, and again, I, I usually don't do this, but this is a chicago podcast with Toronto flavors. Uh-huh. Your show is a chicago show with a Toronto flavor, actually. Oh, the lead is from Second that's City, Toronto. Yes. Lauren Ash. Yes, that's right. Uh, so, and there, Matt Craig, there's a lot of Second City in that yeah, show. Yeah, a lot. Uh, and again, it, it exemplifies something that Second City also did, which was, you know, a lot of local humor that was for the local crowd, but that also kind of became these tropes about Chicago, if you will. Yes. A lot of the stereotypes about Chicago were probably you know, perpetuated by the second city and, and capitalized on and used for humor. 
So I for would sure. guess that you you would credit the Second City with some inspiration oh, for, for what sure. followed. For sure, yeah. Well, also on any given night at the Second City, I'd say fifty percent of the audience is tourists. You know, so that's the 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 balancing act we've had yes. to find in this show is we want to fill it with Chicago shit, but also have it be universal. And that's why it's so perfect enough. to to kind of echo here back and forth with our episode because. All those same considerations take place at the Second City. Yes. Now, again, uh, in the intro, I, I talked about that. And in other episodes, I have, you can be sure, tooted my own horn on that first cruise ship that... Yeah, wow. Well, here's the thing. We did one show. Uh-huh. Actually, we did the same show twice, one night. And the next week, they added three or four more ships. No shit. Wow. Yeah. And wow. I said to the producer, Kelly Leonard, hey, where's our bonus for getting you like a millions more dollars? <laughs> Still waiting on it. Uh, that's not a surprise. Yeah. No. But, again, at this time, they started out the first couple casts were people who were, you know, Turco or whatever. But very quickly, and again, Chicago is a city that can sustain this, if any. Right. To produce, you know, you've got to put 50 professional actors out there who really weren't probably professional actors a week before. Yeah. And and honestly, there are some there are some stories of failure. Some very funny people uh who who I know were on ships and couldn't handle it. Yeah, and within right, a couple right. weeks we're off. Yeah. And and again, when you're hiring 40 people, that's different than hiring 3 or 4 for a touring company, but it 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 presented an interesting opportunity to the second city, which is to kind of in the same way that in sports a team might draft a guy. Uh-huh. Whereas if you can watch a guy for three, four weeks, you know, get a better beat on them as opposed to one audition, right. you know, like hiring someone off a workout versus watching their film week after week gives you a better kind of comprehensive thing. Right. And I think this, the cruise ships, when used to their best, were a way that Second City would identify talent, could kind of give them reps and then when they come back into Chicago, incorporate them into their system. And, and I think that is kind of, you're an example of that. It, it uh, Yes, I think I am. However, everything you listed in that intro, I I was doing plenty of free shows in Chicago. Oh, yes. No, 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 no. Uh, but that's the how you got to the ship. I, oh, right, right, right. What right. I'm saying is it was like, yes, normally maybe a year later you auditioned for Turco and whatever. Right. But this kind of presented people to Second City in a different way, and it opened up a big volume of both opportunity and and yeah, just opportunity on both ways for right. you to you to work for them, and not everybody liked it, and for them to see who works in their way. Yes, but for of sure. course you don't yes. just you weren't like a you weren't like the janitor on a cruise ship, and they right. can, transformed you. Right, I wasn't cleaning fountains, and then all of a no. sudden, they, right. But again, the annoyance. This is also around the same time that I think the annoyance starts. It had always had influence because we all took classes there and did shows there. Right. Eventually, if you're in Chicago. But I feel like the kind of annoyance culture, you know, in my time, which is about 10 years before yours, is kind of in the midst of the IO dominance of Second City in terms of the influences, the long form comedy. And I I think what I notice is that as the annoyance theater, which had always been there, you know, right from not right from the time of the IO, almost a couple years after that. And it always been kind of the third improv theater theater that had the most out there material for sure and you would kind of label yourself what your home theater was 
You know, Susan Messing, for example, although she did more shows probably at I.O., is an annoyance-type performer. Ed Furman, an annoyance-type performer. I did a lot of shows at Annoyance, but I'm more of an I.O. performer. For sure, yeah. Most of my shows for the Annoyance were on that softball field. <laughs> um, and they were shows. And they really were. But but again, you, you were doing a lot of shows at, at the Annoyance and, and other places. And I think around this time, people didn't necessarily have to dive into I.O. full force to be noticed by Second City. Right. You know what I mean? There was a wider... Thing and I think this this moment of casting all these different people kind of brought that to light of like oh we can look to other places like whether it be the playground or the annoyance more and just get people and not tell them to go be on a team at I.O. for two years. Right. Uh, so describe your your hiring for the boats. Was there an audition process and then what happened? How long? Give me some boat time. Well. <sighs> Well, it's important. I, I, I grew up a Second City-obsessed teenager. And this is another thing that actually can play into the show and the Second City process because we talk a lot about, yes, many people in, in college, somebody comes to their school and they find out about Chicago and move there. That's, you know, that's maybe half the, the population. But a third of it are guys like you or Brad Morris or the Belushis or right. the Murrays right. who are Chicago or Chicago-ish area guys right. who are aware of the Second City for their whole life. And that's kind of a whole different thing. You know, it's like playing for the Bears or something because, right. you know, it's your hometown team <laughs> right? versus discovering improv in college and knowing this is the only place you can go to do right. it. I grew up, my da- I mean, my dad made me watch SNL. He showed me Animal House and Caddyshack at way too well, young of I was going to say age. well before you needed to. Well before I needed to in Porky's. <laughs> and and so then he took me to see a Second City show when I was a teenager, when I was like 13. And there on the walls are all these guys I see in the movies and, yeah. and, and Bill yeah. Murray and John Belushi. And so... I hope when I, you were 13, you didn't come see me in a show. <laughs> it was I ho- before oh, you. Okay, good, yeah, good. It was before <laughs> you. I'm not that old. Uh... It was Rich Talrico and <laughs> it's uh, not much. It's not, <laughs> was it Susan? Was it, it was Ed Furman. It was uh, Craig Kakowski. It was right after. It was yeah. It this was two thousand. Uh, Sue Gillen, Tammy Sager. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 This is the, around two thousand, I think. Is Probably yeah. Two thousand one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Turn of the century, if yeah, you will. Yeah. <laughs> and so. I mean, I have like a very specific night that like changed it all for me. Go on, because I I saw the show and it blew me away, and then I saw the pictures in the lobby and I was like, holy shit, this place is where all these people started, and so then I signed up for classes like the next day and and now in Chicago, where do you, where did you grow up in yeah. Chicago? I grew up outside St. Okay. Char- St. Charles, Illinois. Got it. Uh, is that uh, a, a western suburb? Yeah, western. Got in it. fact, so we, you know North Avenue. Yes. That's Main Street in St. Charles. So okay, if you so take North Avenue straight west, you'll hit St. Charles. And North yeah. Avenue, basically the other end of North Avenue, is the second city. Right, North and Wells. North and Wells. Right, and right. there's only two more blocks of North Avenue until in the, the city. Until the lake. Yep. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. So you could just yeah, shoot yeah. down North Avenue, which yeah. is not the way I would. No, recommend. we took the Kennedy. Yeah, right. that's about 150 <laughs> lights uh, between there. But my old man would drive me in for improv classes, sit in the town for three hours. Sit in the town. He's from Chicago, so he loved it. And I started taking, uh, uh, God rest her soul, Judy Fabjance was my first improv teacher when I was a teenager. Wow. Okay. 
Um, I took IO classes with Susan. It was my teacher. You substitute taught for oh, a couple classes, okay. I remember. So, all right. This is back in the day. Yeah, yeah. And um, so anyway, so so I did the whole take the classes, started do, start performing, yes. and then uh, that led to a tour co-audition or whatever, but it was when the boats were happening. And so, oh, okay. Then, so it was yeah. kind of a twofer. Yeah. I right. think, yeah, I think it was. That's yeah. uh, all right. So they do the tour co-audition, uh, but they know they've got tour co beyond right. To, right. to, to hire. Right. And you did, it was just the first time you had auditioned for second city. No, I probably did. I uh, probably auditioned twice or three times. Okay. Or yeah. Like so yeah, you're yeah. in the, you're, yeah. that's the realm that we all kind of operated in. Uh, and I knew Mick, who ran the auditions. Yes. And I think it helps because he made sure that, you know. Mick Napier is the founder, one of the founders, and basically the the, the head honcho of the Annoyance Theater. Right. And he has worked, obviously, with all these places. And for years, he's almost the only person who's run their auditions. Yes. I think once or twice I've helped out. Like on the, and he does a great job of making everyone comfortable. But if you're in town, you know who this guy is. And if you don't know him... It's, he's one of these intimida- intimidating figures yes. where once you know him, he's not intimidating. Correct. Or, or at least, you know, at least for me or whatever. But yes. if you don't know him, he really is. Yeah. And as much as he tries to do a good job of allaying people's fears, you still have, he's, he's an icon in a way. So if you, do, if you, you luckily had diminished him Correct. by knowing him yes. and not were intimidated. And he was looking out for me. If I was in a shitty scene, he'll give me another chance or whatever. You know? and, and, yeah. and he's good. And not to say he favored you. That's just a skill he has in general. But again, Mick also knows, and this is why they use him, he runs a theater. So right. he's not going to take someone from the Annoyance Theater who's shit right. and advocate for them because ultimately that's going to look bad for him. Correct, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, but they trust him with stuff like that. Yeah. So it's he's always kind of scouting in that way. Yeah. And so from that, were you called about Tourco or was it a boat no, no, opportunity? No, it was a boat. And, and actually, so the thing about the boats was it was a better gig than Tourco. Money-wise, it was a better gig. Um, for me, I'm a 20, Far better. 24 year old single dude who has nothing to, you know, to, <laughs> to keep him in Chicago. So you go on a cruise ship, everything's paid for free food. And oh, by the way, there's an entire Rockettes style dance group on board of single women <laughs> who are looking to have a good time and hang out. I was more in the YC's area myself. Uh, the uh, youth counselors. Yeah. Yes. The youth counselors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just hordes of yeah. young, but you're making eight hundred Canadian yes. women. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember the YCs very well. But you, it's uh, you're making like eight hundred bucks a week, which at the time is like holy shit. Yeah, your rent your rent's probably eight hundred a month, maybe. Right, exactly. You're probably sharing an eight hundred a month with somebody else. All the food's paid for. There's a bar where beers are one dollar. The crew bar. Yes. And 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 at this time, this is this is still this is before the end of the boats, right? What do you mean, like uh, the boats? You know, the boats ran for four or five years. Oh yeah, I but was this pretty is the first couple. Of I, oh years. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty early on. Yeah, yeah. this is like the yeah. first year. I second was with year. Vanessa Bear, who's now on SNL. Yes, who was at the time a tour co understudy. She understudied the main stage. A little oh, bit. that's right. Yes. Oh no. Yes. It was after that. She also got hired from that. Well, I don't remember as well as you, but... Yeah. I, well, I don't... Okay. I've been doing this podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I put it together. But yes, Vanessa Bayer of SNL fame was also one of these uh, hires at the same time as you. Correct. So yeah. go on. Along with, to... along with Brett Lyons, very funny improviser. Yeah. Um, on the best team in IO history, Deep Schwa. Ah, I've, I sat through a lot of Deep Schwa shows. 
<laughs> a lot sat, of them. A lot of them were through. good. <laughs> no, some of a lot of them were good. A All of them were long. <laughs> oh, that's very true. <laughs> and there's a chance a, a chair might get thrown at some point. A couple times. Uh, yes, but um, yeah, cruise ship. We're, and we're we're doing two shows a week. We're doing a best of the yeah. Second City show Thursday night and an improv show late on Saturday night. So this is also early on before they really blew out the right. obligations and stuff. Right, too. right. And so again, to 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 set the, what eventually happened, and this I guess is kind of industry standard for cruise ships, is like with the dancers. A dance company came in, right. contracted privately, and then after six or seven years. They just have enough dancers, they cut the company out, and they've got dancers there. Right. I don't know that they've done the same thing with improv, but when this gig started, like you said, the first cruise I was on was a 10-day cruise. So it was, oh. and we added the improv. It wasn't in the original thing. It was two-hour shows the same night. So there was one night oh, of yeah. work every 10 days, doing the same show twice. <laughs> and we were like, can we please do an improv show? Just to we're have bored. something to do. We're right, bored. Little right. did we know they would be, make it obliga an obligation right. later on and expand it. And you could, you had the, you had the privileges of passengers, yes. which meant you ate in all the great restaurants and right. stuff. And you had the privileges of crew, which was the dollar beers down there where right. all the YCs were also. Right. Uh, and so it, it was, <laughs> it was a, it was a, a gig comparable to the stages. You didn't have insurance, which is the only difference. That's true. But yeah. the money was more than the stages. Yeah. And yeah, your your room and board is taken care of. It really is. You're right. Like the, the Boom Chicago job we talk about a lot is a similar kind of thing. This is almost a more concentrated emphasis more on the fun than the work yes. kind of version of it. Yes. You're still but you're still doing second city material. And again, it's almost like when you're doing that few shows, you put more into it because you're like, God, I got nothing to do. You want it right. Yes, yes. You and don't want to go for eight days and lament the mistake you made in the show. The other great thing is once you've done the show, then suddenly you're a, a celebrity on the cruise ship. Yes. And so you're walking around, hey, it's the Second City guy. <laughs> I, we always noted that turn. So the first two days, right. you're just another bozo on the right, ship. Right. You do the show the third night and everyone is... <laughs> Oh my God. And then you do it again the next week. <laughs> and that yeah. can be, you know, there are some people, there are couples that went on together who made money for a house. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and there were some great tours through Europe. What was your. Uh, uh, we went from New York City to Bermuda, which yeah. was cool because we got to hang out in New York for a day. Yes. Um, and Bermuda was cool. And then we also did the Virgin Islands uh, for a while, St. Yep. Thomas and stuff. It was yep. cool. And yeah. that was the Norwegian Dawn, which was their, that was their uh, big ship at right. the time. And that was the first ship that they used for that. They had a beautiful theater, yeah. and the whole thing setup was really nice. And so, how, did you do four months? Four months, yes. Right. And that was a standard contract that yeah. people would do. And then, when you come back, are you a tour co understudy at this point? Or uh, what yes. Then I became a tour co understudy when I came back. Yeah. Okay. I also used to. I remember I used to get drunk and fall asleep in hot tubs and, on that cruise ship. <laughs> oh, that'll kill you. You could die that way. I think about it, doing it like now as a 38-year-old man, I don't think I would have as much fun. But as a 20-something, it was amazing. You can't, I mean, I was yeah. a little old. I actually, I had a kid by the time right. I was on. Sophia. And in fact, yeah, in fact, the first cruise I was on, did I talk about this with Susan? I, I interviewed Susan. But she came on with our daughter, but we were separated at the time. Uh -huh. Maybe, maybe divorced. And we all thought we had separate rooms. And Molly Erdman, yeah. who was the company manager at the time, right. not, not my wife at the time, not right. even in a relationship with her, 
married to someone else, in fact, right. had to explain to Susan that she had to share a room with me <laughs> for 10 <laughs> days on the ship. That was the worst 10 days on that oh, ship. Oh, baby, I bet. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> but again, most likely through the traditional means, you would have found your way to Second City, given everything I know about you, the, 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 you know, you grew up Second City, you would have, you know, unless oh, you got, yeah. unless you got a job and flown out to LA before, but, but now it was you're, my goal. It was very much my goal. Right. Yes. And, 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 and really the one thing that probably was holding you back more than anything was playing for the annoyance softball team, <laughs> which <laughs> took everybody's reputation down one notch in that city. <laughs> I'm not lying. This was a very hated team. It was. And people would often hate outside of, uh, after the games were over, but. You're touring, uh, and you toured for a little while. Yeah, Mighty Mighty Blue Co. Ah, yeah. I love it when the Mighty Mighty Blue Co. person comes on, because it's all Blue Co. people, and really all the companies know, Blue Co. is the best company. It is, by far. And how long yeah. did you tour? And they had the most, we had the most fun. Blue Co. always had the most fun. Well, because Bread Co., a.k.a. Red Co., always made the big money, at least in my time. They got big money gigs, so oh. we called them Bread Co. And then uh, Blue Co., we would get, you know, some nice gigs if like somebody nice was coming to see the show or whatever and then green co was also a company <laughs> <laughs> green co when i was there was all these heady very like you know cerebral kind of i wonder if 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 at a certain point the reputation started to become a like a what is it called uh when you when you predict what's going to happen um i don't know what the hell you're talking the about. phrase is uh uh, like you made prophecy or something. Anyway. A prophecy. Yeah. Oh, a prophe uh, self-fulfilling? Pro no. Yes. Self-fulfilling? like that. Yes. Self-fulfilling okay. where, where the reputation of the companies is this. And then the produ the producers just start <laughs> saying, well, everybody thinks Redco gets all the Might as well give them the big money gigs. Everyone will expect it anyway. Who knows? But uh, who were your tour co? Uh, so I toured for probably about three years. And, uh, and that's a good long time. Oh, yeah. Especially in this era. I, I believe, you know... I've talked a lot about this, how people probably maxed out like 80s, 90s, where a person could do four, five, six shows combined between the stages, might tour for two, three years. Yeah. And then then up through now, that those numbers have gone down. People are not doing nearly as many shows on the right. stages. They're not touring as long, if at all sometimes. Right. But three years at that time, was a that's a long time term oh it was it was a lot of, you got you did every tour uh we did some highlights were the ski tour that was cool like aspen and you know all that shit and then we did vienna we did a, the uh, european thing that uh, was cool i never i never did either of those and those are those those were two of the highlights yeah tours. They were, they're being alaska now and again right spicolo paletto was a nice little festival okay but as far as places to go vienna was always it was cool number one any turco yeah. stories of note that uh you want to throw in well vienna i mean we, so we did a whole european thing where we did a show in brussels amsterdam uh vienna they like turned it into a whole tour wow yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it, it had not always been that. At times, cool. it was a residency in uh, Vienna. But right. By the time you did it, they had added some. They other added some other. Oh, so that, that was cool. Is great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, took mushrooms in Amsterdam and sure. fell asleep or puked in their historic town square. Um, With the big fun. phallus? Yeah, it might have been. <laughs> They've got a huge. Oh yeah, because you lived there for. I a while. lived there for a year. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right where Chet. Baker was murdered that that little plaza. No he was shit. thrown off the hotel Amsterdam uh, oh, off wow. a balcony. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Drugs. Uh, drugs, kids. Uh heroin. Yeah. The other good. drugs in Amsterdam are fun. Are good. The heroin fun. will get you killed. <laughs> uh 
But yeah, what a great trip. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. I loved it, man. Just touring was so much fun. And did you say who else you toured with? I'm sorry. Okay, Tim Stoltenberg. Sure. Uh, Katie Rich for a little while. Shad Kunkel for a little while. Um, Lindsay Haley. Um, what did I say? But Barry Height. Um, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was a bunch good of peeps. Chica- I mean, those yeah. are all good Chicago peeps. Again, yeah. a lot of those are I.O. people yep. from there. Right. And... And I did I.O. too for a, for a long yes. time. I was yes. on a Herald team. We weren't great. We got cut. And that's kind of when... Um, I I walked to the annoyance and was like, "Oh, this place is cool too." So you did IO first? I think I did. Okay. Yeah, I think and, I did. And this is another, you know, it's a consequence yeah. of how large the community got at that point. Right. And always, people are slipping through the cracks at IO because, again, for probably the last twenty years, the woman who makes a lot of the decisions has been entirely deaf in one year, <laughs> and eighty percent deaf in the other ear. And that's going to affect and your decision making. A pack of dogs, a lot of farting her, dogs behind uh, following her, following her at any given time that yes. have eaten McDonald's <laughs> and smell like it. <laughs> but but uh, again, that that's kind of a common thing where you're on a team, and unless you're there at the right time, like I, the first time I met Sharna, I got high with her after a class, and this is old time. Perfect. They don't do that anymore, I don't think. But that it's that established me. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, prior to that, I had used it as you know to get over my dating anxiety. But this was like to move up in the world. I got I got Sharna high, uh, and so you've discovered the annoyance, and that's the thing. I kind of always just associate you a little more with the annoyance, right? And it the way you describe it is not unusual because the annoyance is known as the the home uh, the the island of misfit toys, right? Correct. Yes. And while there is an element of that, and they draw people, again, because kind of that reputation, it also is a place where just a conventional person can go and explore their uh, more unconventional comedy. You know, it allows you to grow in ways and take chances and risks that are not appreciated at those other places. Unless you then, you know, Eddie Furman, everything he learns is at the annoyance all of that served him was when he was on the main stage. Right, right. They didn't let Susan do that as much, but that's a, <laughs> that we did that. We covered that in her. The other thing, being such an improv nerd, I knew that Mick was a big time director at Second City, and I had there's a there's a documentary about uh, making the a Second City show called Second to None. Yes, and it's it's Mick directing Tina Fey yep. and Rachel Dratch and and uh, Scott Adsit. It was and, a show I think after. Uh, after Pinata, yes. Paradigm Lost. That's right, and it was a VHS documentary, and I I watched that thing a hundred times. That's really good. I've only watched that once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember being like, "Wow, this is a great document." Yes, right. To have yes. of that because yeah, and I remember going, "Okay, Mick Napier is the director of the show. He must be a big deal." And then realizing he owns the annoyance and putting it together, and yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm sure the creditors own the annoyance, but yeah, he's on the paperwork. Let's <laughs> <laughs> say save that. Let for me tell my. I have a Sharna story real quick, please. So I started uh, taking classes at I.O. as a teenager, okay. and I signed up for this class, and there weren't enough people signed up, but Christina Gauchis 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 was the teacher. Okay, I. Did such a good job in that one class that we had that she went to Sharna and said, this kid, although he's a teenager, should be in the adult classes. Okay. So then Sharna goes, well, bring him in here. I want to meet him. And I was with my dad because he was picking me up like this was after class. Yes. So we walk in her office and she's rolling a joint. (laughs) She's rolling a joint. She's clearly high. Oh, my gosh. And she goes, Christina tells me that you're... 
you know, you've got a lot of potential that you're a good improviser. And she goes, now I said this to Mike Myers and his dad, I'm, I'm going to make you a star. Now that was all for your dad. It was. It was. She laid it out. Yes. She laid she the sales pitch on. Yeah. Now you were very. That's good because there are, at any one time. Yeah. There are only three or four women who Sharna will listen to. Okay. At any time in her life, and Christina Gauss is, is one of them. Oh, interesting. So at the time, you were lucky. You know, Susan probably another one of sure. them. But there are a number of teachers and women teachers in particular who it would have hurt your career if they had brought you. Yeah, yeah, I don't doubt that. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. that is a great story yeah. of lay. Uh, that is Sharna <laughs> laying it on and ensuring oh. that she's going to get twelve hundred dollars worth of classes exactly. out of you. Exactly. I said this to Mike Myers, uh, and of course, I, you know, I'm like yeah. a Wayne's World fan. Of course. Oh, why? Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes I I ask out loud, yeah. how did that place and how did it, does improv. How did it sustain for so long? But she's not without knowing a little bit about how to build the oh, business. For she's sure. got skills. For sure. Uh, so, <laughs> again, yes, you knew this annoyance connection and everything. And Mick yeah, is, is a, again, he runs the auditions there. He's probably right. one of the most trusted people in Chicago for stuff like that. Right. So you made a wise decision in that way. Even if, at the time, the annoyance itself wasn't necessarily the springboard to second city right well they had just opened their new theater in uptown right so i was there for the, like the grand opening of that and the, and the annoyance theater again has been in more spaces than yes. than anyone right. like i can think of six or seven and they're in the best one they've ever been in right now by, right by the led, red line uh, at belmont clark and belmont that the the one in Uptown was next to a abandoned theater that I think the last show was The Grateful Dead in 1978. The Uptown Theater, yes, which they keep talking about restoring and hopefully it's a beautiful they, old it's beautiful. theater Huge. that for like 15 years has laid fallow. Yes, it's the second biggest theater in the country behind Radio City Music Hall. Really, yes, as far as like capacity, yes, and it's just sitting, sitting there, there, sitting there, right next to the Green Mill, which is also an institution, yes. fabulous place. Let me tell you though, the thing about the annoyance was stage time. It was like it was so much easier to get stage time, which is how you really get better and learn for me. And so I was like, am I going to wait in line at I O to get on a Herald team and like have a show once every two weeks and? And or, yes, be on stage the all the fucking time here. It's all the timing that you yeah. talk about. Because ultimately, when I came, the annoyance was there. But the annoyance was so big on doing co-ed. And they had a few big running shows right. that their improv show thing was not really... They didn't have a couple stages. They, right. It wasn't really like the I.O. thing. So when I got to I.O., I was able... I hosted a show called The Jam. I was able to get all that stage time then. Right. And the annoyance wasn't really offering in it that way. But then the community grew so big that I.O. just got... Right. And again, there's there's people like me dominating... I did eight shows before I got on the main stage. Like six of them were at I.O. Yeah. And Sharna's favorites are taking all the slots. And that then created the more opportunities to do the improv types of shows. And some of those annoyance improv shows, again... As as crazy as their scripted shows were, the improv shows were kind of nuts as well. Oh yeah, yeah, which is great. <laughs> it was encouraged to be fucking nuts, and yeah, and it and there yeah. is an anarchist. Uh, to me, again, I, I actually, and I'm kind of discovering this as I'm saying it right now to you, but the annoyance has more of a counterculture feel than I O, for yeah, example. Right, right. You know, I O is, is you can you can be you can say whatever you want there, obviously. 
But it's for the laughs and the yucks and everything, and as is the annoyance. But the annoyance has an edge to yeah, it. Yeah, more avant-garde sometimes. And, and, and yeah. the edge is always is 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 on the edge of appropriate. <laughs> right. You know. Yes. Uh, like, and I think that is a good skill to have. Maybe not. It doesn't necessarily translate a hundred percent. But making an audience uncomfortable is an important, and being comfortable sure. making an audience. Uncomfortable. For sure, for sure. I don't think anyone teaches that as well as the annoyance. And it depends on what kind of person you are, because the annoyance certainly attracted some, for lack of a better word, psychos, who you know. Actually, that are- is the best word <laughs> to it use is, because yeah. it hits it on the it hits it on the head. <laughs> yes, like you said, the carnival of misfits. Yes. Yeah. But if you're smart enough to say, okay, I I can use this to my advantage, but then I can also be a polished second city performer. Yeah. You, you want? Know? Yes. Yeah. You want to have all that because you want to be able to. You know, it's kind of like the strangers with candy crowd. Right, right. They have that second city annoyance combo feel as well. Yes. And actually, a lot of those people did. That was a crossover with, you know, Danello and, and Amy Sedaris and all that. Right. Uh, Let me say real quick, though, yeah. also, some of my... So here are some of my greatest memories of improv as a spectator. Great. I would drive in from St. Charles most... Monday nights in high school to see Armando Diaz at IO. Sure. And you you performed in those shows and some of the imp- like improv greats yeah. performed in those shows. And it was the kind of show that you wanted to be in if you were there. Yes. Because you watched it like you. Right. Again. And 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 at a certain point it was just a matter of staying in Chicago long enough <laughs> to get right. Yeah. But <laughs> but you're right. Like the, if there's pictures of the first casts of stuff, yeah, and again, like everything else, the community got big, the shows, the cast got big, but like everyone you know who's written on a late night comedy show, yes, is in one of those early pictures. For sure. It's so crazy, yeah. and and that was at the time, and maybe still now, I don't know as much, but for a good ten years, that was kind of known as the improv show to go see. Yes, and I saw a lot of them, and it was that was a huge in- inspiration for me. And or, you're going to uh, get to pick your on. favorite in that because there, with very few exceptions, amongst really good and known improvisers in town, they all kind of had an open invitation yeah, if they right, wanted. Right. So you could, you know, Brian Stack I would watch, and he was a yeah. favorite of mine. Same. Also, Brian McCann. Yeah. Uh, was you know, and I discovered those guys in that show, and Neil Flynn. Like, yeah, you're right. That was a great show. Yep. I remember seeing uh, TJ and not knowing who he was, and just being like, "This guy is so fucking funny. What's his deal?" And then he comes to be TJ. Who's, I was yeah. one of the first people yeah. in Chicago to see Bumper Carroll and TJ Jagodowski. Bumper came to a open mic that was in like Bucktown. Yeah, that me and Scoop, uh, the guy who I hosted this show, with, I remember we would go Scoop. There. Yeah. And basically, we were going to see what games they were doing, stealing them, doing them at the gym. And Bumper was there, uh, and I met him and told him about I.O. TJ, there used to be a guy, still is, a guy named Mike Lucas, who's a stand-up comedian, was in a tour co. At the time, there was an improv in Chicago, you know, the Mm stand-up place. mm -hmm. It was where that art store is by the Chicago line now. Uh, There's a big art store. Is it Dick Blick or something? um, It's it's like a chain. But th- right where that was, there was a an imp- Chicago Improv, the stand-up place. And Mike Lucas had access to the stage. And so I was in Second City classes with him. And he would do no crowd, but a bunch of improvisers would go and do improv games. Like, we were practicing it. And we did three through the door. And this kid does three through the door. 
and does three characters that nobody has touched in the in yeah. their comp- of all the other people in the room. He did the three best characters in a row, and we're all like, "Who the fuck is this?" You know, like I've been here for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Who comes in and does this? And it was, you know, it was Wonder Kid T.J. Jagodowski. Yeah, wow. Uh, And we'll get to we'll do his interview someday too. Yeah, yeah. So I also hosted the Jam for two years. Did you? Oh yeah, yeah. Me and John Barinholtz hosted the Jam for. I didn't know you were part of that lineage. Oh yeah, man. Oh man, I'd have had you on here a week earlier. (laughs) Uh, So I did not know that. That's crazy. I did a lot of one-off shows at IO too. Like I wasn't yeah. like on one of the Herald Institution teams, right? But you were. But on I the, did a, sh- a ton of you know stuff all around yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And at that time, people had finally figured out we don't have to be like warring tribes at different theaters. Everyone can play everywhere. Right. right. There were a few years where it wasn't like that. Yeah. But let's get back to you yeah, in the yeah. second city. Yeah. So you've done three years of touring, done all those tours, yep. and was there a break between touring and a stage? Um, I don't remember, but I got, I remember, um, the guy who was directing my tour co got asked to do ET, direct an ETC show. And that is? Ryan Bernier. Okay. And so then I think he, you know, he brought me. Yeah. And, and and they, they do give, uh, directors leeway in casting quite a bit. And, and so it, it always helps to have the director of your touring company move in there. But I was also proving myself for three years and three years is, we were doing the, um, the home show, every Monday night, we would do, not every Monday, but we would do the home Everything, show on yeah. the main stage. And that was always a good showcase for me, because yes. I feel like I kicked ass in those shows. Well, that's, and, and again, and, you got yeah. a Chicago crowd. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the one that the producers would come to see. So right. that certainly is in your favor. Right, right. And smart. And we've yeah. talked about this, you know, everybody kind of figures out as they go along that it's, there's more to it than just going up and getting the yucks. Correct. And we all employ those strategies to different degrees, but it all is part of the mix For sure. of being Second City. So I'm like, like Matt Craig and his episode, like, and I knew about it at the time, so I'm just asking him all of his little mechanizations and stuff that he did. <laughs> and it's interesting, you know, who they listen to in that way and who they don't when they try that stuff and everything. Yeah, yeah. Each each story tells itself. But, but there's some politicking involved. Oh, yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's the industries. Yeah. But... And a couple people from your touring company got brought into that, didn't they? Uh, or, or were you the only new one in that cast? On, on that cast. Was uh, L also from your touring no, company? No, she wasn't. Okay. No, no, no. Um, A.D. Bryant and I had toured a little bit together, okay. but she was already on the stage. Me and Mike Kaczynski. Mike was on new. a different, the two okay. new, and he was on a different tour called, yeah. There he is right there, Mike yeah. Kaczynski. Yeah, very funny guy. Everybody wearing glasses. Yeah. And Mike has the blue shirt that everybody has, of course. Uh, so uh, your cast was Mike Kaczynski, Michael Mike Lair. Lair. Those were the three dudes. And you, on, on right. DL Sudik. Correct. Uh, who I, I dated for a while, full disclosure, everybody. That's right, good. Get that In out In between there. my two marriages to main stage performers, <laughs> I dated an ETC performer for several years. All right. Um, and... and was Tim Stoltenberg in that? No, he yes. wasn't. Okay, that's your uh, uh, Tawny Newsom, yes. uh, who is killing it right now yes. as an uh, actress out here, and then Aidy Bryant, who's also killing it yep. everywhere. Yes, yeah. she's in an old Navy commercial. She, is. I saw that. I mean, that's that you made it if you're in an old Navy commercial because they just <laughs> like they just like they just. Want, I've actually worked on a couple ad campaigns for them, and they all they want is dancing. Yes, that's I know they that. want. That's their thing. But then they want comedy, right? But it always dancing wins. Right. But at least this time they got a comedian to get paid in the commercial. Now, let me ask you this. Have you made it if you're in a handful of progressive car insurance commercials? Yes, actually. (laughs) National commercials that have run thousands of times. Yeah, you've made something. As opposed to the Dicka commercial I got running in Denver. Um, 
Ditka? Yeah. Did you say Ditka? Yeah, Ditka. I'll, I'll tell you about oh, it later. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I worked at Mike Ditka's restaurant for five years in Chicago. Wow. Oh, I, Ditka and I are close. You are? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. His, I I, my, the character Chicago Party and is loosely based on his wife, Diana Ditka, who... Yes. Folks, uh, did you hear that? <laughs> that I mean, that's the kind of stuff you're not going to get that anywhere else. That's deadline Hollywood stuff right there. It, this is yes. Wow, getting the inside. I feel scoop. like inside the actor's yeah. studio all of a sudden. <laughs> this was my cast on the screen right there. It is that was okay. My cast. And and uh, the name of that show was. Um, we're all in this room together. It was a little, <laughs> you know, we were going for something. It's a little meta. It was meta. It was little, you got yeah, it. It's a comedian's yeah. title that you have to exactly. think about and ruminate. And we also were t- with that show. It was very funny, but then we were also trying to, you know, have it be a message. We're all here together and yeah, whatever. The I get it. And every, yeah, and yeah. you know, every show aspires to that. Yeah. And I think at the beginning of every process, you want to have a very funny show that also has this th- amazing through line message that people are going to leave going whoa and ultimately what you really want is a very funny show yes because often in the efforts to make that that artistic and beautiful and important theme right you sacrifice the comedy and that's the one thing you should not sacrifice okay so but you had a lot of fun in that show Tons writing of fun. it. Okay. Tons and of fun. and it was a fun wacky show. It was fun wacky. Um the improv sets were always fun and yeah. And it's that and that's also nice. I've always so I don't have the experience of not enjoying the improv sets. And again, I'm an improv dork yeah, to the yeah. highest degree. Yeah. But it is nice when you can have fun improv sets in the shows. It really I think it makes a difference because it's it's kind of like ending on a nightcap that's good or like, ah, oh, I gotta do this. Yes. So that's always helpful to the the cast. Um, also, I'll say mentality. something a little controversial here, um, and, and 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 you know, I think you'll probably say, "Oh, well, of course you're going to say that." Go on. I think the Second City ETC is a better theater than the main stage. Oh well, you know, this is not. I, I I'm not as as when I got hired, uh-huh. I asked Robin if I could have ETC. Oh really. I'm not going to say softball wasn't a small consideration because I couldn't play in the Wednesday league oh. after that. <laughs> I was only down to the Monday league. That's so so the theater league in Chicago had a Monday league and a Wednesday right. league. And if you were a real psycho like me, you played in both. Yes, you did. I remember. Uh, so that was a sacrifice that I had to make. Uh, and the Wednesday league, I think, won a title without me, maybe. That's really funny. But. But the theater itself, it's oh, it's Ron West. So from 1980, that theory has been in play. Is that true? Yes, because the space is now for a different episode. When I have some later actors, some of that intimacy ended up being a bit of a problem for some of the casts in terms of interaction. Basically, once Trump came in and people thought they could say anything they want anytime they want, Uh, that distance was an issue. But up until then. It, you're right on top of the audience. Yep. They're on top of you. Right. You're you literally can be inches away, and it's an intimate space where everyone can see everything. Yes, and it feels kind of romantic. It it's does. very tucked away, dark. The ceilings are a little lower. It's like yeah, yeah, it is. And, yeah. and somehow I feel like that that I don't know if it's chicken egg thing, but that creates or you get some wackier odder stuff yes, out of that yes um and again maybe some of that is that the, the cast tend to be a little little younger because yeah, they're going to start you there who knows but no there are a lot of good things to be said about the etc as, as a space especially the backstage area is actually nicer than the main stage backstage it I is, think yeah, too. It is. yeah so and there's something to be said 
I got to say, the producers almost always do a good job of staying out of the material. Yeah. Like, that's the best thing I can ever say about the producers at Second City is they, leave they you hang out. Yeah. They hang, by hang out, I mean they hang away yeah. from the action in that way. But I actually think in the ETC, you even get a little bit more of that. Agreed. They're kind of like, whatever they're doing back yeah. there, There's let them. Yeah, there isn't yeah, yeah. much scrutiny. But there's even less there. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. Uh, my two favorite theaters in the history of improv are the ETC Theater and upstairs at the old I.O. in Wrigleyville. Yeah. I love that. And that it also space. had a feeling like that. Now, again, yeah. I, when we were talking about the annoyance and the old annoyance, I don't know if you were there for the space that they had. Did you ever see co-ed prison sluts up by Wrigley? No, I, was never, I never saw okay. that space. That, now, that might have been the best space because they had incredible parties but it was like just uh -huh. a warehouse with a stage in the corner yeah yeah and then yeah. you could make it up any way you wanted yeah uh was it like across from the metro was that the space uh, across, across from, from the, the ginger, ginger man? man yeah 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 and now it's a parking lot but yeah. it was enormous yeah. they had this huge basement area like the parties were what were great yeah. there i think there was like a guy who was living there yes. for a while <laughs> oh the number of people live in there <laughs> some even employed by the annoyance yeah, that's great um <laughs> now, there was some turnover from the first cast to the second one. There's always turnover and uh -huh. stuff. But I know that a couple people only did one show. And then AD got pulled up to the main stage, I think. Uh, or even SNL, maybe. Because I don't know if she did the main stage, AD. Yeah, she started writing a show, didn't she? Did, I, I thought I saw her did. in the main stage. Well, we'll have to ask AD when we have her on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll clear that up. A little mystery to leave you listeners. Uh, yeah, I think she went to SNL. Um, she did. Well, great. Then then I'm going to trust you. You yeah, were in a cast yeah, with yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, um, And then who replaced... Oh, then my good friend Poonam Patel came in and, and replaced uh, 80. So she ran so, 80's part for a while? Yep, and then she was in, she the, was next in the next cast. Right. Oh, that's good when they do that. Right, right, Because sometimes right. they don't always do that. Yeah. And that was called uh, A Clown Car Named Desire. <laughs> All right. I, I, I think uh, a little bit more, a little bit more for the general populace. <laughs> yes. I'm responsible... <laughs> Uh, I'm all, I'm also responsible for one of the worst show titles in Second City history. Oh, go on. So, uh, I was Mick Napier's assistant director yes. for the 50th anniversary show at Second City, which was this whole big deal. You had just left. It was Brad Morris, yeah, and yeah, Andy oh, St. Yeah, Clair, yes. um, Emily Wilson, Lauren Ash. Um, who so else? Shelly Gossman and, and yep, Pat O'Brien. And no, now Anthony Michael LeBlanc, Anthony LeBlanc, not Pat O'Brien. Oh, he left. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it was around the time of H1N1, the flu. Okay. So everybody's brainstorming titles, and I'm the AD. You know, I'm there with That's, Mick. Yeah. And so Mick's like, Chris, you go ahead and brainstorm too. So okay. Da, da, da. Yeah. So we're there one day, and Kelly Leonard comes in. He's like, what do you got? And I <laughs> jokingly, as a joke, like yep. a joke pitch, I throw out, what about taming of the flu? And Kelly Leonard, and as a joke, and Kelly goes, that's it. <laughs> that's the title taming of the flu and so it's stuck and there you go and yeah. every time you say it the laugh gets a little less <laughs> uh, that's incredible yeah, uh, yeah. why didn't they just call it the 50th anniversary uh, show? who knows uh, you know since you mentioned that let's take a minute we're, yeah. we're, we're headed towards the exit here on sure. this but that's an interesting thing I forgot that you were the the assistant Really, it's the assistant to the director. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like the Dwight Schrute thing. Yeah. I'm the assistant <laughs> manager. Mm, you're the assistant to the manager. 
But all that mattered to me though was that I was a fly on the wall. Absolutely. Like, and I knew that's, yes. I was gonna learn a shit ton just by being there. And that position should and almost always is filled by a young improv nerd. Yes, for sure. So mm, I yeah. I pulled Mick aside and I said, please give me this job. And, and that said, is I, and that's a really smart idea of just I bet you learned a shitload. A ton. Just being there. As much in that yes. as, as you did in all the classes you took. Yes, for More sure. More maybe. For sure. Because that is a pressure-filled process, and yeah. that's a nice first introduction to it. Yes. I'm sure when you went into your process, you pulled some, you know, sense memory of like, ah, oh, don't get too pissed off because for sure. there's eight weeks of this shit, yep. you know? Yep. So that, that was a very valuable kind of internship it that was. you got to do. Yeah. And... So you've written your two shows. Any any moments of note that you want to put into the record of like fun things, audience, you know, just some like thinking of like things in the process right, right, that right. were good, bad. Right, right, right. Um, well, so SNL used to come all the time. Yes. And so, so did they come to both your shows? They did. Okay. Yes. And, and this is, again, this is the era where Second City has listened to Lauren Michaels and made their casts probably at this point just a couple years younger. They would continue to do this right. until they got down to the early 20s. I've made my opinion on that known just in terms of creating social satire. You can have one mega star, 22-year-old kid in there. Right. But I think a breadth of ages provides more content. But at this point, Lauren, I think, had said, make your cast younger. And they went a year or two younger, which is probably the appropriate amount. Yeah. Uh, and you're in, you're in that window there, and they're coming every year. Yeah. So that's the reward for doing that, for listening to Lorne. <laughs> and that was always a pressure-packed night, and it was, you know, uh, the building was a buzz. And-, and, and that's the funny thing. Once you do your opening night, for the most part, the show runs automatically. Yes, completely. Yes. It's and and not and not to say people are phoning it in. It's just that you know the lines and right. you know where the laughs are. Right. And the whole point is to enjoy together. You know easily how to do that. Yes. And yes, the pressure <laughs> that it puts on it makes it such a different show. That's when I would get in trouble with the stage manager because I would start adding shit and fucking around and you know. You wouldn't have liked the main stage stage manager's reaction to that, which is to leave you with the lights up past the point you were ready to be on. Craig stage. Taylor? Yeah. <laughs> I was I, I would I would fish a lot and Craig would leave me out there to hang That's a great. lot. And it's like <laughs> afterwards you'd be like just look at you and be like, all right, Craig, I, I, I won't do it. Uh, uh, me and my stage manager, we butt heads because I was, I was. Always, who was your stage manager at the time? Uh, Kyle Anderson. Okay. Who, he's very much like by the book, stopwatch. Absolutely. You added 20 seconds to that scene. Yes. Like Kyle is not an improv. I mean, he is an improv nerd. Yeah, right. But he is a nerd beyond that and, and in every way. I yes. saw him fall off the stage at IO one time and. <laughs> I think he concussed himself. Oh, no. Yeah. He fell off a tra- chair. He was trying to do some chair trick, and, like, the audience <laughs> gasped, and he's trying to get back on the chair, and he's, like, kind of dizzy. It was a really tense moment. <laughs> I felt bad for him. And, and now I've put it into this podcast. <laughs> 
Sorry, Kyle. Well, he and I couldn't have been more opposite. Oh, yes. Because I, I was like fucking around. Super rule follower Kyle is. Super like, like. An annoyance people don't follow many rules. No, exactly. Exactly. And I was all about having as, mo- as much fun as I could. And the audience is eating out of the palm of my fucking hand. I'm going to milk it. And, you know. Of course. And that, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, I yeah. am familiar with the instinct. Yes. And, yes. and, and the punishment that followed that. But I, so, think, I think Kyle versus Craig probably didn't quite have the authority to be correct. total dick to you. Yes, yes. You know, yes, uh, it's a difference yes. between being a stage manager for 35 years <laughs> right. or two years. Right, exactly. Yeah. So you, you do these, you've written your two shows in the ETC. Mm-hmm. Now, when did you start Chicago Party Ant? Uh, 2016. So I was living out in L.A. When okay, I so that's after. Yeah, yeah but I was doing a character that was an impression of my aunt back in Chicago that I did for my first SNL uh, audition. And it so everybody says SNL, you they don't laugh. Nobody laughs. Right, right, right. Nobody laughs. So I was doing this impression of my aunt. Where so I, just to just to backtrack a little before ahead. we yeah. get to this impression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you we we talked earlier. SNL came to shows. Yes. Is this a flyout? I have probably been flown to SNL more than any person on the face of the really? earth, and not gotten the job. Carell yeah. was flown out a couple times, but you've been flown out two, three times. I've been flown out about six times. Six times. Uh, three to audition and three to meet with Lorne. Yeah, as writer. That's what yeah. writers usually do. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> do you have any meetings scheduled uh, coming up? At one point, he told me I had the job. He pre- he said, um, "Once Jason Sudeikis leaves, we're going to bring you out." And so he he told me, yeah, like I had the job, and then Jason Sudeikis decided to stay longer to keep playing Mitt Romney or whatever the fuck, and then I think they he then uh, hired this guy Brooks Whelan, like yep. kind of instead of me, yep, who he was then on the show for one year and yes. got fired, and yeah, yeah. So. A few people actually came at Jason's bequest and got fired after one year. Is that, uh, oh yes, that's right. Yes. <laughs> we know some other people. <laughs> Uh, and now the, the he's, one, we'll now do an he's episode. winning Emmys, thanking Mick Napier at the Emmys, and Conor O'Malley is sitting in the front row at the Emmys. We're living in a fucking it is simulation. A weird world. Conor a weird O'Malley, world. I've, he's been mentioned the past couple weeks in this podcast. I am a fan. Oh, yeah. I want to direct him. Yeah, by, yeah, by, yeah. And by the definition of the word direct, I want to point him and say, take down this company like this. Yeah, right. Instead of, you know, like yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah. anarchy. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And I want to I want to make this weapon more effective and yes. kill something with it. <laughs> uh, you guys would anyway. be a good team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's he's crazy. Oh, yeah. In he's a great, great way. Yeah, he's great. But yes, it's it's crazy how and and with the little chuckling and snickering that we're doing about people we didn't mention, at the end of this podcast I'll do one episode where I will reveal what all those snickers like were cuz there's two or three in every episode <laughs> where we're like I can't uh, you know, right? And I know you listeners want to hear it, but there's a lot of, you know, it would be criminal it would, it would stuff. Be, yeah. We would bring the police and FBI into yeah. it, so we can't do that. Right. So what was your decision uh, after your second ETC show? Was it a fly out to New York? Was it getting a manager? Because you are post-50th anniversary show, as you mentioned. You right. were, and I think you were able to observe the difference that happened at Second City before that show. Yep. And, of course, we've talked a number of times about that great anniversary, 50th anniversary party weekend. That I was, was working the coat check. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, again, yeah. most of the most famous people from the Second City have come from the box office. <laughs> That's like right. David Miner. <laughs> you know, David Sedaris, I think, maybe worked there. But, yeah, crazy. Uh, the Baronholtz brothers were, like, they sat people or whatever. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. And... Uh, 
They were probably not very good at that yeah, job, quite frankly. Yeah. Well, I wasn't good at the coat check job because I would just leave and go walk around the party, and then <laughs> whoever the fuck was the manager would go, Chris, what are People you doing? People want their coats. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody just stole <laughs> Martin Short's coat. <laughs> And I'm going, ah, well, I don't care. Mike Myers right here. <laughs> yeah, his coat is also missing, by the <laughs> right, way. Right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so after that, really, once you got on a stage or maybe even into a touring company, right. you were getting an agent and not, yeah. and not a Chicago agent. No. An L.A. agent. Yeah. So describe, you know, what your thought process was, because, again, I think this is signaling a different age at the Second City where you're not going to stick around to do your third show in the ETC and then two on the main stage. Right. Exactly. Because, because the world around the Second City had changed due to that 50th anniversary show. For sure. So I had a Chicago agent, Bob, uh, Bob Schroeder, Schroeder at Aria. Uh, but Almost everyone's agent. Through, yeah. Mine as well. <laughs> oh, I had a lot of... Uh, Unmemorized auditions at TPNR, where uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tanner oh, Pasco and Nikki with the fish. <laughs> oh, you didn't you didn't memorize this copy? Oh, I thought I could just read it. That was a great casting office, though. It was. Jimmy yeah. Crane once put a a slate I did up on the wall there, and I came in for an audition. It said, "How not to slate," and it was my picture. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, Jesus!" Uh, the the scary place was O'Connor casting. Yes, and they were mean. Yes. Now, I'll give a Second City story about O'Connor casting. Yeah. That is where they cast the famous um, Sonic commercials. Oh, yeah. That TJ and Pete Gross booked. I auditioned for that with Jack McBrayer. Is that right? Yes. And I went in with Jack McBrayer. And, you know, I don't know if TJ and Pete auditioned together. But everyone has their take on what the thing is, which is give give the people shit in the... Your talk ordering burgers and give them shit. So the dynamic between Jack and I is what it is, which is me being mean to each other, essentially. So many of us improvisers have that. And we we played that out. And then, you know, afterwards, seeing the commercial, I'm like, ah, absolutely wrong for this. Did not, like, (laughs) did it? It was funny and everything, but it was just like, ah, this is so, I had the absolute wrong idea. (laughs) And I had a great scene partner, but the wrong scene partner for what it was, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a David O'Connor cast. They rode that thing into the fucking sunset, that commercial, man. Oh. My funny story about that commercial is my dad, you know, my dad loves comedy and all that, but for whatever reason, he didn't. Uh, he thought that that commercial was TJ and Dave, and so every time it came on, he he go TJ and Dave. <laughs> now, <laughs> but it was TJ and Pete. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. I, my my wife was in the the couple version of those, obviously That's with right. Brian Husky, That's and right. he did a satirical video on soldiers in Afghanistan and a veterans group complained, no. and he got fired, and she got fired too. No, I've never heard that story. Yeah. And so that's why I always have a little animosity because the yeah. money was really rolling in the first couple of years we were dating. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I like to watch those Sonic commercials imagining that these are longtime friends and at a party one time in high school, Pete gave TJ some LSD and it changed him forever and made him kind of slow. And so now Pete feels bad. So once a week he goes and takes TJ to Sonic to relive the old days. So that's how I always watch those commercials. I love that. Uh, so, but, but back again to you, the yeah, ending yeah. of your time at Second City, this is like 2014. 
Yeah, around there, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you've done two shows. Yep. You have representation out here yeah, at I did. the time? Yeah, uh, I did. the Also, at the time, the Just for Laughs Festival Chicago was happening. Yes. And so Naomi Odenkirk came to see those shows mm-hmm. as she does. Very, and she's she's one of the few managers who goes to Chicago all the time. It's very uh, smart. I don't remember seeing my shows, but go on. Well, yeah, I know. You guys are part of this weird when we missed we missed each you other. Did. We missed and each other. The other thing was the SNL auditions when you were there. Wasn't it an improv show? Yes. So fucking weird. Oh, I did an improv show that John Lutz got hired in, and I was in a scene that John Lutz really shined in, and I just stood there and took what he was doing to me, like a good improviser, like Sharn always tells us to, and God bless John Lutz for getting hired at SNL, but I don't, like it, you know, worthy person, and ultimately, in terms of the line of people, he opened up a space that probably got me to the main stage, oh, if not quicker, yeah. or at all. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Lutz, I took, I stole from him the go to the main stage and sit on the bench and watch the second act of their show and then do the set and blow them away and be good and do good improv with them. He was ahead of me on that. He got hired by SNL, and I was like, ooh, there's an opening here on this on bench. The, <laughs> on the old church pew yep. next to Joyce. And right? that, yeah, and that's, uh, yeah. that's how I got hired. <laughs> uh, but, yes, it was so ridiculous that they would do a 20-people, two-act improv show. In fucking insane. And I'll give you a story that's outside People the Second City. elbowing each other out of the way. And, there was a yeah. show where a favorite uh, of Sharna Halpern, maybe someone who taught you a class when you were a teenager. Uh-huh. Did not shine in the first act of the show. Okay. Sharna comes backstage oh. to all of us who've been invited to audition for SNL and yells at everyone but that one person for not showcasing that one person. Wow. And then we go out Amazing. to do the second act. Amazing. Like rips everybody and then go out and have a good second act, everyone. <laughs> that was the show I think that Lutz got hired in, actually. Oh, baby. Um. But they were also, you know, I think Liz Kikowski also was hired off the main stage at that time. So they were they were going everywhere yeah. and using everything. But you're right. A ridiculous way to try to figure that out, especially for people who don't watch a lot of improv. Right. You know, right. yes, he knows comedy, but doing an improv show is not necessarily the same thing. Right. Either way, right. if it wasn't improv, I would be you and you'd be me hosting this right now and we'd be doing it the other way around. Uh, so what, w- I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you right well, when I'm, you're going to tell me. I also want to tell one of my, one of my favorite Second City stories. Please do. So when I was, um, when I was assistant, assistant to the director with <laughs> me, <laughs> thank you for correcting that, um, Joyce Sloan was still alive. Yeah. And um, so she would sit in her office there all day long and I being this huge improv comedy nerd would go down the street to the fudge pot yeah and i would buy chocolate turtles you know oh i know oh those are great great with the caramel caramel oh and i would bring them to joyce and i'd say hey i I bought you and she'd go sit down young man and for probably 10 afternoons i sat in her office and just shot the shit while we watched cubs games on the tv i'm getting like the feels which i'm not a guy who does that because Joyce has not been mentioned in, enough in these because again I'm I'm because of the era I'm in. Yeah. A lot of the people I've had so far of that era where her influence was certainly waning. She was still there in that corner office. Yep. And per- Joy- producer emeritus at yes. that point. And Joyce yeah. is the basically the heart of the Second City Theater. 
for 40 years, she was running everything kind of there in a very mom and pop way. And now what was her office is the men's bathroom. That's true. <laughs> That's true. What a way to honor her. But uh, she, we would sit there and watch the Cubs games. Yes. It just felt very, big it was Cubs very, fan. A big Cubs fan. It was a very special thing for me knowing, you know, w- what she meant to the place. At one point, she goes into a file cabinet and pulls out a handwritten letter from Chris Farley when he was homesick in New York on SNL. Saying, yeah. Joyce, I miss you. And it was like, and that's, I'm so glad you cooler. did that. Yeah. I, I, every year for Halloween, I would take Sophia to Second City. I remember this. And I would, we would get changed in her costume in Joyce's office. Every, I did that for maybe five, six, seven years. Yeah. And I'm just, it's glad, I'm yeah. glad to know that there were other nerdy Chicago comedy nerds who went and sought her out. Because I certainly did that, and I didn't know if other people were as aware of her. Yeah. But again, this points to kind of the source of your humor. And in this show, it's a love letter to Chicago. Second City is also a love letter to Chicago. Yes. And for whether you're someone like me who moves from New York and falls in love with it that way, or someone who grew up loving it, you know, you, you want to be in it, of it, about it, yep. around it, 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 totally consumes you and it stays with you forever and i think you're a a good example although your forever still has probably more to go than mine but like (laughs) you've taken that you've taken those tools and and very obviously taken them to uh, the next place with it which is great that seems like a stopping point right it does was there one other thing no i still wanted to talk it seems like a stopping point but (laughs) in like all improv things Sometimes the lights don't go out when they're supposed to, <laughs> and you got to do a little more. I'm pulling Craig, that right now. Craig's yes. in the booth. I'm pulling a Craig Taylor because I just want to find out <laughs> one like your trip, your decision to come to LA. Yeah, yeah. That's what we didn't like. What was that about? Because I want to know without doing four shows, but still feeling satisfied with what you've done at the Second City. Which again, this is this is the contemporary kind of experience at Second City. Yeah. But foreign to me, what drove your decision? Got signed by Naomi Odenkirk as a manager, got signed by William Morris as an agent based on uh, them seeing me at Second City and Just for Laughs and all this shit. And Mick Napier was directing the next main stage show, and he gave me a phone call, which was very nice. And he said, if you want to be a part of this cast, I will have you, but I think you should move to Los Angeles. And my agents and managers were echoing the same thing. You should move out here. And I had such a great experience at Second City that I yeah. was like, I don't know if it's going to get better. Uh, and Go out leave wanting more exactly. as opposed to do- having done too much. Exactly. So, Well, that's a good lesson, and, and it certainly hasn't hurt. And, and honestly, yeah. by accident or on purpose, there's a lesson everyone moves, everyone learns when they move to L.A., which is you should have moved here five years ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you kind of got ahead of that by doing that. Uh, and we got softball and we got it all in, even with the false ending. Now this is the real ending. Chris, I want to thank you so much. This has been great. Learned a lot about you that I yeah, didn't man. know. And I, the last thing you told me about Joyce, you've, you've, you've made me very happy too. Uh, so that's great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, buddy. Bye.